The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders, taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello and welcome to episode 22. Um, Before we get going, if you are struggling with OCD and anxiety, um, if you would like some support with that, you can go to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com and there you can find my free mini course uh, for OCD. This course is really focused on positive action that you can take uh, to be able to manage your OCD and anxiety in a much better way. It's based on my own experiences and acceptance commitment therapy and uh, it has lots of information about um, acceptance, about getting in tune with your values and about how to unhook from really difficult thoughts and feelings. All you need to do is head over to my website. Um, if you uh, sign up and enter your, your email, you can get access to that free mini course. In today's episode, I interview Tonus. Uh, who is a 23-year-old biology student from Estonia who has had uh, HOCD for six years. He actually feels very grateful to, um, to have had OCD as it's led him to find a deeper understanding of life. Having OCD has put him into situations where he was forced to learn about the brain and mind and uh, through this he feels more aware of the world around him. It's a really interesting interview and um, Tonus shares, um, you know, the story of his battles with OCD, um, his first experiences of dealing with HOCD and how hard it was for him at first, uh, trying to to understand uh, what was happening and and to to get some security around his sexuality. Um, um, But he did manage to progress over time. He learned a lot about psychology and uh, about how you can uh, effectively manage HOCD symptoms. And, uh, and these days, he, he's in a much better place. It's a really fascinating interview because Tonus really loves to go really deep into the psychology behind OCD. English isn't Tonus's first language, but as he gets warmed up, he gets better and better at explaining you know, the, the really difficult aspects of uh, HOCD. And uh, I really do think that you'll find it um, helpful. Many thanks, guys, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Tonis. Hi. So to start off with, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Like where you're from and and what you do? Uh, I'm from Estonia. I'm 23 years old, and I'm a student in the University of Tartu, which is one of the oldest universities in North Europe. And I am currently, yeah, in the the first year. Also, I have, I have had four years after the high school. And once I lived in the UK, and now I'm back here in Estonia. Okay, yeah. And uh, 
how long have you been experiencing OCD for then? This is something that kind of came on when you were a child or? Mm. It's, it's very interesting. Like, I think there have been many phases of it. Like, I think I have, I have been born with this kind of like sensitive brain, I would say. When I was small, I was really sensitive and I took everything personally and I put many labels to everything just to be, be really sure that I'm safe. Yeah. And I think the OCD I have, I have this kind of unconscious, like unknown OCD since when I was like 10 years old, I would say. But like when I really understood that I have OCD was like when I was 18 or 19. Okay. Like my, my childhood was like full of fears, full of like shyness, full of social anxious and this kind of stuff. So yeah, like, I, like, yeah. I think yeah. it's quite, I think it's quite interesting because uh, many people I think uh, who, who do get diagnosed with OCD, they tend to look back at their childhood and they go, oh yeah, that's why, you know, that's why I was mm -hmm. acting yeah. like that in these situations. And that's why I found this difficult. And uh, it's, uh, it's quite interesting to, to look back, certainly for, for me, when I look back to my childhood, uh, you know, where I found being in school quite difficult. I found being in the mm -hmm. classroom, very, very difficult place to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, so exactly. it's, uh, yeah. And so when you were kind of 18, what, what mm. happened then for you to really, to, to, you know, to really realize that it was OCD? Well, actually, like the OCD, the topic, like, was around sexual orientation. Yeah. So basically, when I was small, I would say I was a really sexual being, I would say. I really liked girls. I really liked, like, watching girls, like, like images of kissing a girl or something and i think when i was small i made this sexual orientation really really important to me mm, and yeah. then somehow it was like in estonia it's also being gay or something somebody from the lgbt group is still a tab taboo thing then i i had some kind of homosexual thoughts in my head then my my brain or my mind instantly like in a second put a label on it that it's dangerous so yeah. when i was like 10 or 11 years old well, like pre-puberty when i had this kind of like maybe sexual like not really mature sexual thoughts but like just you know kids think still think about curiosity towards yeah curiosity yeah yeah but yeah it was like i think when i was 11 years old some kind of homosexual thoughts appeared in my mind and they became really like frightened, like they frightened me. So I started suppressing them down. Mm, okay. But like I suppressed them down because they were really like dangerous. I, I didn't really like them at all. And somehow I had some kind of dreams about homosexual like intercourses or something. And that was really, that was like really, for me, it was really horrible and when i was 18 i had a friend with whom we spent a really like a lot of time together 
and I think the OCD, when I really understood that this is OCD was when I told him that I have these thoughts. So it was like, it was like a big dam that broke. Mm, so yeah. all the thoughts came like, like waterfall. Yeah. And then I, then I thought like my brain was broken. Like how come my brain has so many thoughts inside? And I felt that I had suppressed them or I had like kept, kept them like behind. I, I haven't like let them be like, like I normally do with other thoughts. But yeah, when I was 18, the, like my brain broke, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it was very, very interesting. And the first month, it was like, I remember it was two two, no, 2016. No, not 16, 14, 15, 15. I'm, I don't remember. Okay, but, well, it's okay. Like, it's like okay. Five, five, six years, uh, five, six years ago. But yeah, I remember the first months were really horrible. I constant, constantly had these thoughts in my head. I thought I was crazy. And sometimes I made something and then the thoughts were gone. Then I was like, okay, now I'm free again. I'm me again. But then yeah. some, I saw some kind of trigger and then triggered the thoughts and then the thoughts came back and then I was really in the black hole again. Absolutely. And, but those first, first months were really confusing because I really didn't understand what's going on in my head. Yeah. And you think this came predominantly because of the fact that um, in Estonia uh, back then and now uh, is, is still kind of... Uh, you know, they've not really caught up with what's happening in, in kind of more progressive countries uh, in terms of the, you know, LGBTQ plus kind of movement and your fears were are based, around, are based around that a lot, like how people would judge you uh, if you were gay. That's also an interesting question. Like when I would really be homosexual, like, when I don't have any feelings for girls, I think I would have been okay with it because my younger brother is gay. Mm. And like he's younger, he's seven years younger than me, but I think, I'm not sure about this. Estonia has, in this six years, Estonia has become more free. Yeah. And well, I'm not sure about this. But I think it's just a fear that I'm not myself. I have this kind of weird feeling in my head that's like the fear that I'm not myself. So I'm suppressing those, those thoughts that are not represent, representing me. Yeah, that, that, would, uh, that would really make sense because of, yeah. obviously so often with OCD, it's like we want to have certainty that, you know, like yeah, whatever we're doing, exactly. we're doing it in the correct way. And so if you're having big doubts about your sexuality, that can be really, really difficult. Uh, in mm -hmm. fact, a previous podcast we just did uh, last week, I was mm -hmm. uh, discussing with uh, this lady about her experience of, you know, struggles with um, you know, with, with sexuality when she was younger. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, often, it often does latch on to things like this because it's so important. We feel like we need to have certainty in these, in these areas. And OCD can make you doubt just about anything. Mm -hmm. And so if your attention yeah. goes on to that, then it's very easy, I think, for, for, you know, for you to get very anxious and for the obsessions mm -hmm. to start kind of 
mm-hmm. you know, the non-stop um, obsessions to really kind of bother you about it. Exactly. Yeah. It's also like, I would say, OCD builds up on the things that are really important to you. Absolutely. Like yeah. For me, the sexual orientation was very, very important. I liked girls. I really fantasized about girls. Then boom. Am I really like, do I really like girls? Maybe I don't. Then all those thoughts like, build up yeah. on this kind of topic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's classic as well. Yeah, the things that are most important to you, OCD will tend to latch onto them. And, you know, exactly. for many people that can be, you know, their family or it could be a relationship or mm-hmm. it could be sexuality. So many different areas it can latch onto. Mm-hmm. Religion is another one. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's sneaky. Okay. And obviously, so you, you struggle with that from, from 18 and, and this is mm-hmm. really difficult for you. Uh, but at some point you started to learn more about it and you started to work out how to, how to deal with it better. Mm-hmm. What was the process of, of that? Well, when I was 18, the first months I was really, really confused. I didn't want to feel that bad. So I was constantly like unconsciously uh, finding reassurance. Mm. I didn't really understand if it's OCD or not, but I was Googling the questions. What if I'm gay? Am I really gay or something? Then like I almost every time I found myself on some kind of HOCD page. Yeah. And like all these forums, all these questions, all these answers, like the more I, re- I, I read those answers, the more anxious I got. Yeah. I was like, yeah. like <laughs> I, I, I thought I would find the answer, but like yeah. more questions arise. And then I was like, yeah, how the hell I'm going it's, to get better. It's classic re- reassurance yeah. seeking. No, yeah. absolutely classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Then there were some kind of online, online therapies. I paid a lot of money for them, but then like, I had this kind of interesting way that OCD is in my head. It's like, when I find some kind of way to let those thoughts be, uh, then it like, then it, it helps me. I become myself again, but then in a, in a, in a, some, in some time, OCD comes back again. And when I use the same skill or same thing again, for example, not letting myself be involved with the thoughts, uh, it doesn't work anymore. So like the tool disappears. I had this kind of feeling. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so you had the wear, the wherewithal, you know, to, to work out, to, to go and get some help. And obviously that mm-hmm. probably helped for a while. And then you found out mm-hmm. about acceptance and the importance of that. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, yeah. you know, you were working on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that, that sounds like you, you know, you were making progress, but mm-hmm. acceptance is, isn't easy as we know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's uh, some days for whatever reason, it's easier to do. Uh-huh. And then, and then it can really feel like one day, maybe the OCD comes back twice as strong and the acceptance doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And that can be really frustrating. It's also like the tool becomes reassurance again. Mm. Like I'm accepting to get rid of the thoughts. Yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> I'm accepting them like, 
just to get rid of the thoughts. Yeah. Not to like just be with the thoughts. It's like still, still coming back to OCD. Someone said really nicely that when it's like you're going out from the door, but you actually the same door brings you back in. Yeah. 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 Like some kind of this kind of paradox. And that's sometimes it makes me so angry, but like it made me so angry, not anymore, but yeah. A couple of years ago, I was like really angry. Why, why is it coming back again? This is part of the trickery of OCD. And I think when you're in that stage of, Mm. of getting better and learning to manage it better, you go through periods like this where, Mm. you know, like you think you're doing really well, but uh-huh. then you, but then you do things like accepting just to get rid of, you know, discomfort or whatever, and mm-hmm. you know, like that, that then kind of sets you back a little bit. So I think mm-hmm. what you're describing is a phase that you know many people go through when they're when they're learning to mm-hmm. get better from OCD because it does take mm-hmm. time. It's not something mm-hmm. that happens. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen over a period of weeks. You know, it mm-hmm. takes making little changes over a period of time mm. that build up over you know that build up in the long exactly. term um okay and so so that was that was problematic but you persevered um and uh i think now that you're you you know you you told me that you're you're feeling you know probably a lot better today than you you ever have done in the past yeah it's interesting that i don't remember like those really bad feelings anymore hmm. so it's like really like when you have the ocd mode your brain is like dealing with the thoughts differently yeah like you're, you're like completely another pe- person like but when you don't have ocd you're like normal that's like also the feeling like why you want to get rid of this ocd because it's not normal yeah. It's like irrational. You don't feel like your thoughts are rational. And since I'm also quite social person, and when I'm really me, I'm really talking to people. I really like, uh, like, uh, how, how to say, um, like talking like on a stage or something. But when I have the OCD mode, I fear them. I don't want to go on a stage. I have like a big fear. It's like something like really different from the real me. It's like interfering all the areas of life when you have the mode on. Yeah, I think that's true as well. You know, it's, uh, it can be very frustrating um, for the social life sometimes because, Um, you know, the the obsessions can be so strong and they take you so much out of the present mm -hmm. moment. No, we get stuck in our head that normal Mm. activities like socializing become you know they become a chore because you don't feel like yourself you know like you you can feel Mm. like your humor is all dried up you know you Mm -hmm. just you just feel kind of grumpy and kind of difficult to be with people sometimes Mm -hmm. Mm. and that's also like your ocd brain is thinking that no you don't want to go outside and then you're like listening to these thoughts and okay, then I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to go outside. I won't go outside. And then actually there you have to bring your rational mind or your, your real you into game. Like mm. you really take conscious action to move towards the anxiety. Yeah. And then uh, it's like the 
the the place where OCD thinks it's like okay now it's my like my turn to go yeah I, 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 I liked the, the language you used secondly there. So the first time you said like, you have to use your, your rational mind. And then, and then you followed that up with, <laughs> you need to consciously think about how you do it. And uh, I, I liked the way you followed it up because I think sometimes <laughs> with OCD, when we rationally try to think about things, that's part of the uh, problem. No, it's like, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, I'm just going to rationalize this thought. I'm just going to kind of get to the bottom uh-huh. of it reassure myself and then i'll be okay you know mm-hmm. as opposed to oh i just need to bring some consciousness to this you know i need to consciously mm-hmm. you know pay attention to what i'm doing observe the difficult emotions uh, remind myself that you mm-hmm. know like even if i feel bad i'm still going to go out and spend time with my friends you know mm-hmm. there's a big difference between between the two mm-hmm. yeah I think also like my English is not the best, but there is also interesting, like you have this kind of thoughts in your head and sometimes you can't really make the difference between the thoughts, mm. but like between the modes or like, uh, or like that. For example, what I'm experiencing is, or what am I, quite constantly thinking about is that the real me is my heart but OCD Mm. is my mind and sometimes I'm acting out of my heart and sometimes I'm acting out of my mind so that's like a real like easy way to distinguish between those two yeah yeah I, I think so I think so I think um you know I think OCD is because i think there's there's thought there's thinking that you can do that obviously isn't mm-hmm. obsessive and there is an ocd you know like and i think personally like ocd from my experiences and and from the people i've worked with ocd is like it's a very unhealthy pattern of thinking that we we've got yeah. into you know it's a it's a really negative uh unhelpful um kind of like game that we play with ourselves in a way you know Mm -hmm. like where where a thought comes up into our head and that thought gives us a horrible sensation a really nasty feeling Mm -hmm. in the pit of our stomachs and we just feel like i can't i can't deal with this feeling i've got i've Mm -hmm. got to do i literally have to do something with it I can't just mm-hmm. like get on with my day now. I, I like, you know, it's, it's so strong that sensation that that mm-hmm. thought was wrong. That thought was bad. You know, I'm, I'm an evil person because I've had that thought. Um, you know, and these feelings are so strong um, and they they draw us out of our, you know, out of our bodies and into our head. So maybe like you were talking about kind of out of your heart and into, mm-hmm. into that unhelpful thinking you know style uh and it's mm-hmm. it's yeah getting better is all about really learning how to get back into the heart you know i i agree with that kind mm-hmm. of getting back into the mm-hmm. body and and out of the head you know because too much mm-hmm. thinking is problematic i don't like obviously like we can't say all thinking is bad 
but yeah. like uh <laughs> but yeah you're 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 like i think it's a maybe an interesting way to kind of view it like that you know things coming from the heart or from the body you know when we can mm-hmm. be in that place that's our center and when we're in our center we're more present uh, everything's easier to deal with and uh it's a much better place for us to be mm-hmm. yeah i would also say Sometimes I have thought that OCD isn't like a disorder. It's more like a really strong habit. Yeah. You're like, you have this thinking pattern in your head. You have some thoughts or images coming to your head. Yeah. Then you have this habit to react to those thoughts negatively. Yeah. Then then it's just like when you want to get like over OCD, it's just building a new habit. A hundred percent. I want a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. 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 And also I would say when I'm, when I'm saying I have OCD, I have also this lay, I have labelized it. I have put label on it. That I have a disorder. It means I'm a bad person. So I have stopped saying that I have OCD. I have just some kind of issues with my thinking. I, I think that's a really important point that you've touched on there. It's something I think about quite a lot, actually. You know, like uh, I, I myself these days, you know, despite, uh, you know, being an OCD coach and, uh, you mm-hmm. know, kind of having an OCD podcast, I, mm-hmm. I myself try to remind myself of that as well. You know, I think it's really important that, you know, I'm, I'm someone who, who, you know, for whatever reason, got into this very difficult and negative style of of thinking you know from a fairly young age so and it was and it's a pattern it's a habit and you know the the reason why i feel like i've arrived where i am today where i feel so much better is is just slowly changing those habits over time and replacing them with with new habits healthier habits um you know and uh behavioral psychologists like show us, you know, through things like CBT that, you know, change is possible, but it takes commitment over a period of time. And, and then you can change these habits of mind. Exactly. You can't change it with like, with a second. You just have to constantly remind yourself that, okay, I have to move my focus from the thoughts to my real value. And it's just, it's not, it's not working in a second. You have to constantly commit to yourself into this practice. And that's also the thing I have been doing like one year, two years. I think I still have the, like the, how to say, fallbacks or like falling in the black hole, but I don't mind anymore that much. Yeah. I think, I know that after the black hole, like, there's also a saying after uh, rain comes the rainbow or the sun. So, yeah, yeah. You also mentioned to me as well yeah. that th- these days, because of you know your commitment, like you were just talking about, the way that mm. you've committed to making these little changes over time, you're 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 seeing quite a lot of progress. And you were mentioning something about this this black hole kind of not yeah. being quite so deep. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, the black hole um, the black like i have the saying I, I some sometimes like i fantasize a lot and the black hole was the best word for it 
<laughs> but like it really feels like a black hole. You're like in pitch black. You feel yeah. like you're like really drunk. Like you're really drunk. You can't really think normally. You know that you are really irrational, and it's like there's no hope. I would say it's like okay, I'm here. I don't know how to get out of this hole. But like sometimes, like I just let let the black hole be there. I take the focus out of it somehow. It's really hard to describe actually. Like how? What's the like the point or what's the moment where I get out of this? Yeah, it's not. It's not describable. I would say it just becomes new me or like becomes a new moment. And mm. like OCD or like my mind doesn't understand this. But in, in regards in regards to like the progress you were making, because you, mm-hmm. you mentioned before as well about kind of, you know, like you you're doing you're doing pretty well. And, uh, you know, if you imagine your mm-hmm. progress kind of, you know, as, as going along like a bridge, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and below you is another bridge. And when you were kind of struggling, like you would fall, you know, if you were, if you, something happened, you would fall uh-huh. off the, the high bridge and you would uh-huh. fall super, super far down, all the way down to this much lower bridge. Uh-huh. And then you would uh-huh. be stuck there. But you're saying now that there's a, the second bridge is kind of not so far below the, uh, the main bridge. It's kind of, you know, it's yeah, like when, exactly, when you're yeah. falling down, it's not quite so bad. Yeah, like the gap between those two bridges is quite small. Yeah. It used to be really big, the gap between those. But now it's like really small. And I think that's that's good. <laughs> I think that's that's big progress, but, you know. I really do. Yeah. But uh, being on this lower bridge, like I would describe myself but I'm not really angry anymore. I'm, um, when I'm on the lower bridge, I ask myself that, wait, how, how can I explain this? Sometimes it's still really hard to explain all this paradoxical thing that really doesn't make any sense. But uh, I feel I'm not really angry at OCD anymore. I'm still like, when, I'm, when I have the OCD mode on or I'm in the lower bridge, yeah. I approach the OCD with this kind of empath- empathetic like approach, like, okay, I have OCD mode at the moment and I think I'm stuck here. I'm not really approaching with it with anger or some hatred, mm. but I'm like, okay, I'm accepting it. But, but I think there still is some kind of small anger inside, like, why are you still here? Why okay. don't you go away? Yeah, I think that's the thing that keep, keeps me sometimes on the lower bridge. Absolutely. The, the really, really small anger. Absolutely. Anger is yeah. a really big one. And, uh, you know, self-compassion yeah. is, is incredibly important. Uh, something I talk about quite a lot mm-hmm. uh, in like uh, mm-hmm. my, my video course for OCD is, is, is anger and, and the mindset mm-hmm. for, for OCD. And self-compassion mm-hmm. is a huge part of that. Like learning to kind of to, you know, when you're on that lower bridge, like you were saying, kind of not beating yourself up for it. Acknowledging that for whatever reason, today you're having a difficult day. 
and it's harder to manage mm. that OCD and you've kind of fallen a little bit. But, you know, kind of in that situation, thinking about things you can do that are self you know, that do show self-compassion for yourself. So like speaking to somebody about it is an act of self-compassion, you know, like mm -hmm. actually just sharing that with somebody else or actually just giving yourself like a pat on the back or giving, you know, like little, little tokens like this can be, can be very helpful or, you know, even just doing like a little thing for yourself that you wouldn't normally mm -hmm. do. So, you know, like if you're going home, you know, like, like make yourself a nice dinner, something healthy that you enjoy. Uh, for mm -hmm. me, self-compassion is going for a run uh, because, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of, I feel so much better after I've done, after I've been for a run. And so for me, like that's, that's one of the best ways I can be self-compassionate and, you know, the benefit, there's also an added benefit that obviously you get the rush of, you know, serotonin and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, yeah other neurotransmitters and hormones that are released when you, when you, when you go for a run. So yeah, there's different ways that you can practice uh, self-compassion, but I think it's a really big one. And like you're saying there, like you've recognized the fact that anger can, can actually, mm -hmm. can actually keep you trapped in the cycle of OCD. Yeah. Yeah. And also I would say that doing sports or doing something like physical activity, like you are, you're changing your focus. You're taking your focus off from the thoughts. You're focusing on yourself. And that's why physical activity is really, really good. Like I would, like I have this university right now and I'm sick in the, at the moment and I have, I have so much to do like for the university. So I don't ha I haven't had so much time to do sport, but like it's one of my biggest hobbies actually. Yeah. To go out for a run or to yep. ride a bike or go swimming or something. It, like the feeling after having done something physical, physically, like the feeling is really, really good. Yeah. But then on the other hand, like when you do sport to get rid of the thoughts, then it becomes a reassurance tool, so to say. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, the way to the way I try to use sport is to is to have a routine with it, mm -hmm. you know. So if you have a routine, then you you kind of say, well, every day or on like you know like Wednesdays, Fridays, mm -hmm. Sundays, and Mondays, like those days, mm -hmm. I always do like I always do a sport. You know, and mm -hmm. uh, and that's it. Like I, will, that's that's what I do. That's my routine. So if you're feeling good, you know, on a Monday, you go for a run because it's just what you do. And if you're feeling yeah. like like you have anxiety, you go for a run because it's just what you do on a Monday. And therefore, yeah. like like that, you're not necessarily doing it uh, to make yourself feel better mm -hmm. or to reassure yeah. you. It's just because you you've kind of uh, realized that it's something that's important to you. It's one of your values. Mm -hmm. You know, you've chosen yeah. that as your value. And so it's a good way to, to view it, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I think that has also been like a really big question for me, like two or three years. What's the difference between reminding and reassuring yourself? That's also like where I have like fallen back on the lower bridge when I'm like, like doing something I used to do as a reminder 
like to get like back to myself again. I used it as a reassurance tool. Then I fall back on the lower bridge and I'm like, okay, I can't use it that way. But then it's like the question <laughs> rises, like how can I use this tool to become me again? Like yeah. not to reassure myself. So that has been the question like, like last two years, but not, not so much anymore because I know what I'm doing. Like I have distinguished between those two. Okay. Sometimes that, that's really, really interesting. That's really interesting yeah. because I'm sure a lot of people, because I think this is, this is an area where a lot of people get stuck yeah, uh, exactly. in, in, uh, in dealing with OCD, because like you say, there's so much paradox involved and it can be so frustrating. Yeah. It really can yeah, be. Exactly. I, I was stuck there a long time myself. I know all about it. So can you, uh -huh. can you tell us then like how you, like what you do to, to kind of differentiate between, uh, between like you know an action that is helpful and an action that is actually kind of you know immersed in reassurance i think um, i think every action i do but sometimes i have these kind of urges inside my body or this kind of sensation like i have to do it now it's like the feeling of like doing it now is like really like not you it's like the, the way ocd tries to tell you it's dangerous you have to do something now so i have made this like uh, label that this is ocd this is the reassurance like when i have to do something like well I, when i have the feeling that i have to do it like in a moment like now but like when i like uh, it's so hard to explain it actually <laughs> no it's it's not straightforward uh, but yeah no i i think i get you i think uh i think what you're saying is if you don't mind me like paraphrasing a little bit yeah i, I think what, what you're saying is that you know that that sometimes the ocd urges mm -hmm. they have a certain uh feeling to them so if they have a certain kind of urgency to it mm -hmm. So if it's telling you, I must do this thing now, then, mm -hmm. you know, you're not doing that in a conscious way. You're doing mm -hmm. that in a compulsive way because there's an urge, there's a push mm -hmm. that you must do it. Mm -hmm. And whenever we get yeah. that feeling and we follow through on that feeling, you're effectively carrying out a compulsion. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Based on like the actions based on this urge, yeah. urges. Yeah. These are the reassuring tools i would say yeah. but when i'm like when i'm uh, how to say like when i'm thinking clearly that this is the urge and then i decide to focus on the real thing i'm actually dealing with at the moment so this is like this can be really full of anxiety but when you keep when you persevere when you keep doing your thing the anxiety will Anxiety will go down when you mm. take off the focus from the anxiety. Yeah. But it, sometimes it's really hard to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I still fail sometimes, but I, I don't beat myself up anymore that much as before. Good. Good. Yeah, I, I, think, I think, you know, like uh, everyone mm. who, who has OCD, mm. you know, on, on you know, some days is going, to, is going to make a mistake with that kind of thing. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't matter how far down the road of uh, recovery you are. 
there's going to be yeah. times where where OCD will catch you out with that kind of thing because it's it's very sneaky like mm-hmm. that. But yeah, I, I think uh, I think you're right. I think yeah, you can you can try to observe these urges and pay mm-hmm. attention to them, and uh, you know they can be a signal that maybe something isn't quite right. And actually, something else that you can do then to to judge whether this is a genuine thing or not is just to postpone performing any anything. You know, postponement is very helpful mm-hmm. because if you can. If you can just postpone before you do that action that you're being urged to do, you, you basically allow yourself two things in a way. You allow yourself to, re- to postpone and refocus your attention onto whatever you're doing, like you just said. You know, so mm-hmm. if you're in uh, the library at university when this thought comes up you know, mm-hmm. and you're writing an assignment, you can choose, you can say, okay, I've had that thought. I, I, you know, it's an urge. I'm going to postpone doing anything because it's, you know, it's a bit weird. And I'm going to refocus my attention onto what I'm doing, you know, mm-hmm. and gently do that. Not in a compulsive way. Gently refocus yeah, your gently, attention. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, and then later on, if you still feel, you know, that you need to do that thing, you know, maybe, maybe it's a genuine worry or concern, you know, because mm-hmm. that that's that's a problem I think for people with OCD is like well how do I tell the difference between a genuine concern and a worry, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 something that is just an obsessive concern or worry you know like a part of the OCD process, mm-hmm. uh, you know and and so postponing is quite a good way to do that because if after postponing if like kind of four hours later you still recognize that as being something that you need to do, then maybe you can explore that further. However, often what will mm-hmm. happen is that you realize, oh, I don't need to do that. That was just the OCD. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And a different thing that's related to this is to ask yourself a question. Is this, um, is this thought that I'm having right now, instead of asking, is it obsessive or is it OCD? Ask yourself, is what it's asking me to do is it is it going to help me is it helpful you know is it going to help me to be the person that i want to be you know like is it leading me towards my values and if it's leading you towards your values and what you want to do then you know maybe you can give it a bit more time but if it's kind of you know if it's leading you towards something that's kind of you know just to release anxiety or release a negative feeling then you know it's probably not helpful and yeah you probably don't want to do it yeah yeah all the ocd thing is really i would say really funny it's like really it's like um sometimes i make fun of ocd and sometimes it becomes really really like the, the the paradoxical side of OCD is really, I can't really explain it. It's, 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 it is a paradox, but it's, I think having humor or like making jokes around OCD makes also the feeling better. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really important. Mm. I I think it's like a really, a really like uh, a really, a practical joke that's done in really bad taste. 
you know that's like (laughs) it's just like it's like this is this is funny but it's so not funny i've just i'm just sick of this you know it's kind of like but like you say if you if you can bring a sense of humor to it you know and 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 try to notice the amusing things about it that makes dealing with it so much easier Uh, Mm -hmm. it really does yeah I remember in the first like first years, I was so frightened of those thoughts and I couldn't really talk about this to my friends. But when I started talking, I, I felt so much released. But then there was this funny thing, like I, t- I talked about those so much that my friends got really tired of this, like, oh, Tony, you're still talking about this freaking OCD. Come over, like get over it. You know, like yeah. I felt somewhat, somewhat offended like this is like real big problem for me and actually i started making also jokes around it like oh tony with the ocd again again with this super negative thoughts you can't get over it over it but like yeah having this kind of humorous approach to ocd has made it so much easier and sometimes it's like becoming friends with it not like like I think the main thing is to become friends with it. Like, yeah. Sometimes yep. people people the ghost as an enemy, like in your head, like how to get rid of this enemy. But like, I think you have to accept it. You have to make friends with it. I would say. Yeah, yeah. I you think have, that's have fun, uh, fun time together. I think that's a really good point. I really do because uh, something I, I like to try to to say to people is, you know, it's. Um, OCD, as horrible as it is, and as challenging as it as it can be, like if you can see like the good things that OCD mm-hmm. has given you, because there are there are like actually some some good things that OCD like uh, does for people. Um, it really makes you reassess your life and what you're doing with your life. You know, like if you're living, you know, in a slightly unhealthy way it will make you reassess that because, you know, the, the anxiety is so horrible. Nobody wants to experience it. And so, of course, like you're willing to kind of look at some of the things that you need to change. It might make you, you know, want to explore uh, meditation and, and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. It might make you want to kind of uh, get out there and do more exercise. Uh, and it might also make you just a, a more kind of aware and, uh, and, and kind person because, you know, like, I mean, kind to yourself, like, um, more mm, self-compassionate, exactly. you know, because you, you realize, oh God, I, I didn't, I didn't know before, but I've been beating myself up all the time about so many different things. And actually that seems to be making, you know, this OCD worse. And so, you know, you, you begin to realize, oh, I need to like work on this and work on that. And over time, as you do do those things, you you start mm-hmm. to feel so much better you know, and, and maybe like even, even like, uh, even better than, you know, before you knew you had OCD because you've mm-hmm. worked on all these areas that you weren't working on before. And you've mm-hmm. arrived at a place where, okay, yeah, you have this, this problem with this negative thinking style. Yeah. However, it's caused you to change your life in lots of positive ways. And, and that's, uh, that can, that can have a huge impact as well over time. And it can be very positive, but saying that i know i know what it's like i have ocd uh-huh. so i know like when you are in 
the throes of OCD when it's really, really making life difficult. You know, it's quite annoying to hear from someone in a way like, oh, you know, embrace your OCD, (laughs) make friends with it. You know, it's like, what are the positives of it? You'll be thinking positives of OCD. Are you joking? (laughs) You know, there are zero positives of OCD. But, you know, you have to try and put that to one side a little bit and and explore Mm -hmm. explore that idea because Mm -hmm. you might be surprised. Yeah, I found myself thinking today that i'm really really grateful that i have had ocd otherwise i wouldn't have this kind of challenges that i faced like i still am facing and i think it's like real like exercise like making exercises with your brain it's like you're building up brain muscles that i haven't done before Mm. I i see so many people who are just like going through the life without even thinking about what they're thinking in their heads. Yeah. And sometimes I think like, well, they had it maybe easier, but like, I feel that thanks to OCD, I know so much better how my brain works. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I wouldn't have said that for like three years ago, I would have hated it. <laughs> yeah like when when somebody when somebody says like having ocd is good then i would just like send send him or her somewhere else like (laughs) (laughs) yeah you don't you don't want to hear it you don't want to hear it it's true (laughs) no yeah yeah and um okay so so i mean again this this shows you know this shows kind of where where you are in your you know in your recovery from you know, from your difficulties with this. And it really shows the progress that you've made over time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, from from your experiences of dealing with OCD, um, for, you know, for our listeners, do you, do you have any, like, you know, do you have one really big piece of advice that you, w- you would share with people for, for how to manage it more effectively? Mm-hmm. One thing is never give up. Like, never. Yeah. It's like when you have this kind of hopelessness, you feel like I'm in the hole. I, like I can't really get out of this. Then just like, just don't give up. It's like, it's, it's really, um, how can I explain this or say it? It's really worth giving the energy into this, um, into this therapy or like, like give yourself some empathy. Like actually, it's weird. Like people mostly think that there is no other way that I, like there is no other way to think than I'm, what I'm thinking in the moment. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Like there is like only that way I'm thinking, that's the only way. There is no other way. But there are so many ways how to think. There are so many people you see on the streets, they think like, like they think one way, the other, other people think another way. There's like so many ways of thinking. And I think your brain is like, how do you say, like, like, it has this kind of like neuroplasticity. Your brain, you can, you can, you can train your brain to think differently. Absolutely. And just like, one thing is also, I would say like, like, uh, in addition to never give up, uh, just to stay focused 
like when you have this kind of anxiety rush, then keep yourself like in the present moment. I know it's really hard to say, like hard to accept this, but like I think being in this anxiety without thinking or like without reassuring yourself is the best way. But it's really hard to really hard to explain it like with the words. You have to do it. You have to act. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh experiential. Yeah. You know, like uh it's the the only way to to learn these things is is by doing them and practicing yeah. and uh trying different things and finding what works for you. But yeah, yeah I think I think that's some really good advice you've just given there. Yeah. yeah. One thing I have also understood that you can't think yourself out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you're thinking, okay, I'm thinking now, maybe I'm I'm getting out of this, but actually you have to really do something. You have to act, not to think. Mm. Sometimes I also had this kind of question in my head. What's the difference between thinking and doing? Is meditating thinking or is it like an action? Mm. Yeah. Sometimes like you have different levels of thinking in your head. You have some kind of ideas coming to your head. This is also thinking. You are reassuring you. You are reassuring yourself. This is also thinking. Personally, so I, yeah. Personally, I think med- meditation is uh, is being. It's being, yeah. That's also a good way to say it. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely uh, a difference because of the uh, because of the the, the kind of. So when, when uh, researchers, scientists looked at kind of uh, experienced Buddhist uh, monks, for example, and they, they, they monitor, them, uh, monitor them and they monitor their, their brain waves, you know, they go into a different brain state and, mm-hmm. and it really, you know, that, that, that shows in a way that this, this process is, is different from thinking, you know, thinking mm-hmm. is, a very, is a very special type of, uh, is one type of brain brainwave the kind of meditation mm-hmm. state is is a completely different one it's something that's more more akin to to sleep for example exactly yeah. Yeah. so that's also having ocd has ignited the interest towards psychology like how the brain works it's mm. like every human has a brain and it's really interesting to get to know what's inside your head yeah. So I think I have this. Uh, I really like knowing about how how people work, so to say, like how people act, like from which, from what kind of base, or like, do they act out of fear? Do they act out of love, or do they act of act out of something else? It's it's very interesting to see or analyze people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think I think in a way, like we should all be aiming to 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 be moving towards acting out of love. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, and uh, maybe coming back to what you were describing earlier with you know trying to kind of make friends or come to terms with with your OCD. You know, like maybe that's part of that in a way. You know, like moving towards love, and you know, kind of when you do put put an arm around that that part of you that has the OCD and, and try to accept it and try to, you mm-hmm. know, make friends of it. Like you said, it's uh, it's, that's definitely a moving towards, you know, expression and moving towards love rather than trying to escape from fear. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
sometimes I'm, I, I also think that having OCD has led me to some kind of spiritual way or, or finding some kind of spiritual meaning of the life, mm. which has also like have so many positive impacts. Like I used to be really like a mathematician or like, like physics or chemistry type of person who thought everything is rational, but now I'm like complete opposite. <laughs> I still like chemistry, I still like maths, but there's so much more than just... Yeah, I, I, get, I get that too. I mean, I think the o OCD, yeah. you know, I can thank o OCD for, for igniting the same thing in me because mm. before I had OCD, I had no, no interest whatsoever in the spiritual in fact you know i just yeah. thought it was all nonsense um and today you know it's it's really important to me and uh you know a, like a, a growing it's definitely a growing thing in my life and something i spend mm. a lot of time reading about and very interested in i and, and that's because i found that the more kind of i've looked into you know eastern eastern practices and ideas and spirituality in general uh, not that you have to associate spirituality with the East, but, you know, mm -hmm. looking at Buddhism and those kind of things, I found, you know, th those, those ideas that are set out in, you know, Buddhist beliefs and uh, those kind of practices, those have been the things that have been most helpful for me, you know, acceptance, um, you know, love, all these, all these kind of words that, you know, mm. it's quite easy just to kind of cringe at them and be like, oh, why are you talking about that? Like, you know <laughs> and i would have done that in the past but you know like uh this experience has made me much more open to these kind of things and yeah. you know very willing to explore them and find out more about them and and how they how they impact me so mm -hmm. it's interesting that it's had the you know the same effect on you as well yeah it's it's very interesting and i really am grateful for it having this OCD and all this stuff because otherwise I wouldn't be here. I don't know. I don't know where I would have been without it. And I'm really grateful for, for the life for giving me this kind of challenge. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's I, a good way to put it actually. Like, you know, you yeah. wouldn't be the person you are today if yeah. you hadn't have had OCD and you know, like, uh, so. Tonis, Thank you so much for your time. It's been really interesting uh, talking to you. I think we've covered, you know, lots of really interesting areas and like the paradox of OCD in, in particular. And, yeah. uh, you know, even looking at uh, spirituality here at the end. So yeah, mm -hmm. fascinating conversation. And uh, yeah. I'm sure many people will find it really helpful.